Well, it is good again. Man, so how many of you are here Sunday? Say amen. amen. Or how many of you are here Monday? Say amen. amen. A Tuesday? Amen. A Wednesday? Amen. How many of you are here tonight? Amen. Okay, all right, good deal. That's actually probably the most important one right there. And uh, man, I am glad to be in the house of the Lord. And uh, I'm going to tell you, I'll be honest with you, I've been in some services where my body was there, but my mind was elsewhere. And so tonight, I'm praying that everyone is engaged and uh, ready to go this evening. And so, uh, man, I'm just thankful for the opportunity to be here, all the meals and the work and just uh, folks uh, making sure that they're off in time to come to, to church. And, and uh, I know that many of you probably left straight from work and different things like that. And so I just want to say thank you. Um, I tell you, there, there's preachers out out there that say, you know, if it wasn't for the ministry, the people, you know, or if it wasn't for the people, the ministry would be great. And I'm just like, the people are the ministry. That is what it is. And man, uh, I wouldn't have it any other way. It'd be awful boring if there weren't people in our ministry, you know. And so uh, I love it. And I, I'm just thankful for uh, each and every one of you and just getting to talk to you and all that kind of stuff. And so, uh, man, I'm telling you, we're narrowing down here kind of bringing her on down to the beginning is what we're doing, okay? And so uh, I know you'd think, well, isn't, isn't tomorrow night the end of it? No, uh, tomorrow night needs the beginning of it. And man, I'm going to tell you, the best service of revival ought to be this coming Sunday when you come back to church and you come back revived and helped and man, uh, closer to the Lord than you were last week and all of that. And so I'll be praying for you too as well uh, after we head on back to the house and uh, everything. And so uh, look forward to my church there on Sunday and pray for us there as well as God's working at our church as well. John in chapter number five, John in chapter number five. And uh, that's where we're going to be, this exciting story and passage of scripture. And I'm praying it'll be a help and a blessing uh, to you uh, there tonight. And I don't really know the direction it's going to end up. Uh, I know I'm supposed to preach on this passage of Scripture, but there's a lot of different ways. And so I preached on this passage of Scripture right here seven weeks in a row in our church, okay? And so uh, we might be here all night. I don't know. And so anyhow, no, I'm not going to do that to you. I'm going to try to watch the time, and, and uh, we're just going to try to bear down on what I believe the Lord wants us uh, to see this evening. In this passage of Scripture, if you're there in John chapter number 5, the Bible says, And after this, there was a feast of the Jews... And Jesus went up to Jerusalem, just like everybody else was going up to Jerusalem uh, here for this Passover. And if you find, uh, if you look, historians have different uh, ideas and takes on how many people were there. But some say it was as much as a half a million uh, Jews ended up showing up at this point in time uh, in Jerusalem. There's other takes on it that say there was more. There are other that say that there was less. I kind of fell right in the middle right there about a half a million. And so the, uh, the hotels, obviously the rooms, the things like that, they were swamped. Man, this place is busy. On top of that, let's see here what the Bible says. It says, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem, and now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market. Now, why is that significant? Well, what do they bring to the Passover? Sheep, the lambs. And so here we find, in fact, uh, that you will find, and let me just throw this out there at you, but uh, they said that the uh, brook there of Kidron that ran uh, in Jerusalem there on the outside of town uh, from the slaying of the lambs, they said that actually it would be dry uh, just about year round except for when a rainy season would come. But they said that during the Passover and the slaughter of the lambs that the blood would flow ankle deep down that. And just a little thought to throw out there as well that's interesting the other day that I had read and just thought about 
But when they brought Jesus out of the garden, they brought him there at the time whenever they were slaying of the lambs, that Jesus' feet were touched with the blood of the lambs. Just an interesting thought there that you might want to do a study on later on. But I thought, my goodness, there, the Lamb of God that came to take away the sins of the world. Man, those lambs that have been slain all those times to bring forgiveness. And now the ultimate sacrifice was going to be making Jesus Christ, hey, in God incarnate, was going to be crucified. So commercial break. But man, pretty awesome. Anyhow, uh, right here, the Bible says the sheep market and uh, a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue, Bethesda, having five porches. And in these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, a blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at the certain season into the pool and troubled the water. And whosoever then first uh, after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. So let's look back at this. That pool there, uh, if you look it up and kind of study out, has the meaning or the significance of mercy. Uh, it was that pool that when someone would step in, man, they would be made whole after the angel of the Lord stirred the water. And these porches were full of people who had great need. Boy, what a picture, what a picture of what the world is. Hey, the, the world is full of people who have great need. Hey, the one thing they had in common is this, is you know the world is always on a quest to find the answer to life's problems. They're always on a quest. Uh, some people, it may be, uh, their quest may be if they find more money, it will solve life's problems. Uh, some people, man, uh, they can go down the list of just different things that whatever it is that floats your boat, whatever it is that is special to you, and, and man, if I could just have this, or if I could just do this, or if I could just live here, or if I could just drive that, and, and man, the world is always in a quest to solve their issues. Now we'll come back to that in just a little bit, but until then, let's look at this pool. Man, these folks, they all waited around for the opportunity to step into the pool after the water was stirred. They were all living there around these, all these porches around this pool for one word. And that was this hope, hope. Hey, all of those people, they hoped that they would be the next individual to step in the water. Yeah. Man, the world, they need to understand that there is hope. They had heard a message that somebody before them had stepped in the water and been made whole when the angel of the Lord stirred the water. And, and so they thought, you know, I'll go there with the hopes of maybe stepping in the water. So here is this pool of mercy. And again, I think tonight we're going to be, it's probably going to be a pretty heavily Bible message, which I try to preach all of them out of the Bible. But anyhow, the Bible says, and a certain man was there which had an infirmity 30 and eight years. The Bible put in there very specific how long he had an infirmity. And it's intriguing to me because if you look at history, and you look at average lifespans of individuals, the average lifespan of an individual was 35 years. Jesus, remember how old Jesus was when he was crucified? So the average lifespan of an individual was 35 years old. This man had had this ailment for 38 years. Some people say that he was 
uh, it was from, uh, from the very, very beginning, you know, and it says, uh, which had an infirmity there 30 and eight years, the Bible says, and then when Jesus saw him lie, he knew that he had now been a long time in this case. So here we see this man, and he's there, and he had an infirmity for longer than most people lived. He had had a long life. He'd been beaten up by the world and by his problems. He'd had all kinds of struggles and issues. And, and, and man, here, whenever Jesus came to him and Jesus saw him, uh, the Bible says there, and I love these words, it says that Jesus knew that he'd been in that shape and in that case for a long time. Jesus understood his issues that he was having, that his problems that he struggled with, Jesus knew that. Before he ever came to him, whenever he just laid eyes on him, before he spoke to him, the Lord knew the needs that he had, and the Lord was ready, willing, and able to fulfill those needs and to do a miracle in his life. I'm glad today this, that the Lord, when he comes to me and he speaks to me, he knows the problems that I have. He knows the shortcomings that are in my life, and yet he chose to speak to me regardless of those. Yeah. You see, that's what's amazing about the Lord is this, is that he asked us to do things that are beyond our capability, and he knew it was before he said it. Well, that's how good God is. He came to him, and he knew what situation he was in. He knew what shortcomings he had. He knew what abilities he had and what abilities he didn't have, and he knew what would fix it all. And the Lord knows us. I love that Psalm 103, man, where he says, He knows, knoweth our frame, and remembereth that we are but dust. We're all just a bunch of dirt bags, amen. <laughs> that helps us to remember that every once in a while. Jesus came to him, and he knew the situation that he was in. And man, what a beautiful picture of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says he was a long time in that case in verse number six. And he saith unto him, wilt thou be made whole? Now you remember the other day when we were talking about the blind man there. He was on the wayside begging. He said, uh, what wilt thou to have me to do? He asked him. He asked this man a question. He says, uh, wilt thou be made whole? You know, I find that so often in the Bible where Jesus, when he approached people, he approached them with a question. And I believe it was he approached them with a question because he was pro-free <laughs> will. Say, so what do you mean? In other words, he had the power and the ability to heal and to save at any point that he wanted to because he was God Almighty. Amen. But did you know what? He never forced himself upon any man or any woman. Hey, he never has forced himself. He is a perfect gentleman. Hey, if you want to come to him, hey, it, by, by all means, come to him. But listen to me, this thing out there that is out there, and I'll just go ahead and, and just stop right here for just a second. This thing that's out there where people say, well, some make it in and some make it out and don't make it in or whatever. Okay, that is not the truth of the matter. 
You find that the Lord practices, hey, 100%. He gave man a choice in the garden from the very beginning. They could choose whether to live in his blessings or they could choose to step away and take of the, of the tree. And, and they so chose to do so and they brought upon themselves. But listen, it was a choice that they had to make. And it is a conscious choice that every single person in here, if you're going to make it to heaven, if you're going to go to heaven, you, the Lord may present himself before you and make it that option and there may be conviction there, but you must make the conscious decision that you receive and trust Jesus Christ, that he is able and willing and is going to save you if you call upon him. Amen. Amen, brother. That's how that works. And so he came to him. He says, wilt thou be made whole? He didn't just walk in and just say, hey, you know what? You're healed, buddy. He, he didn't do that. He posed this man with a choice. And, and the man came back with an answer because he didn't necessarily understand who was standing before him. And he says, uh, the impotent man answered him, sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I'm coming, another steppeth down. Every time I try to work out my troubles, it never works out. Ever been there before? <laughs> Every time I think I got a great plan, we always joke with our staff guys at camp and we'll torment them, you know, and we have a system we call the quad system, and that is this. A quad one is a bad plan poorly executed. A quad two is a bad plan well executed. A quad three is a good plan poorly executed, and a quad four is a good plan well executed. Now, our guys live usually down there in that bottom part. And that's usually how my life is, is I have the greatest of plans sometimes, you know, I think. But I do a poor job of carrying them out. Or I'll have a horrible plan that sounds real good. And man, I do a, I do a great job of carrying that out. Remember what Paul said in Romans chapter number seven? I think he said something like this. The things that I would do, I don't do. Remember that? And he said, uh, man, it basically he was just saying this. Every time I turn around, I know I'm supposed to do this, but I do this other thing. And every time I turn around, I know I'm not supposed to do this, but I end up doing it. And man, I, my goodness gracious, what am I going to do? And in Romans chapter number seven, he goes on and on and on. And I'm sitting there and I'm reading and I'm going, yeah, 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 that's me, man. I know exactly how you feel. I don't know if I can do this Christian life. But then he rolls into chapter number eight where he says, there is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit, for the law of the Spirit of Christ and Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do. Man, I'm going to tell you right there, what, there's a lot of things the law can't do. But Jesus Christ and his mercy and his goodness, he did it for us. And right here, we find a man, he's trying to carry out a plan, and it was a pretty good plan. There was a pool here, there was a porch there, and he thought, man, if they stir the water, if I'll be the first one in, I'll be the one to make it, and I'll get the healing. But it seemed like it never happened. But then one day, the man called Jesus, walked right up into his life and he posed him with a question. He said, wilt thou be made whole? And he said, sir, I've been trying to do this this whole time. And Jesus looked at him. He says, I know you've been in this shape for a while. I know you've been struggling here. Let me help you out with something. I don't need a pool. Yeah. Amen. Amen. I don't need what everybody else has been using. And the Bible says there, Jesus saith unto him. Jesus said 
to him. You know what this is? This is the word of God at work. (laughs) That's what it is. It's simple. And we still have it today. His words are still with us today. They're sitting in your lap. Man, it's the word of God that is sitting right there. Man, I praise God for the Bible because his word works and his word changes lives and his word can heal people from 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 past and from hurt as we talked about last night his word is so vitally important and then we have got to make sure that we live our lives according to the word of God we are so steeped in tradition you remember whenever the Pharisees came to Jesus and they said hey we caught your disciples they were eating and guess what they did they didn't wash their hands Heaven forbid. I'd have been in, long, in trouble a long time ago if that tradition was still intact. And I'm just going to tell you, they came to him and Jesus rebuked them. He said, you're so caught up in traditions, you've missed the fact that here I stand before you. <laughs> here I stand before you. I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's get back into this thing, Okay. So when they came to Jesus, or when Jesus came to this man, he said, will thou be made whole? He says, man, I don't know if I can do it. I've been trying to do it and been in the shape for a long time. Jesus said to him, he says, hey, I'm more than a pool. I'm more than all that. And the Bible says, verse number eight, and Jesus saith unto him, there it is, the word of God again. Verse number six, it says, uh, he saith unto him. Now verse number eight, Jesus saith unto him, rise Take up thy bed and walk. Verse number nine. And what's that next word? Immediately. And immediately. The man got up and he got his bed and he went to walking. And a miracle was performed there before the disciples and all these people that had gathered men There were people all over the place. This place was crawling with people. They were everywhere. And man, news started to spread that this man who'd been impotent there for 38 years, now he is up and he is walking and he is moving about just like everybody else and he's doing okay and they're all wondering how in the world it could happen. But all all of a sudden, this religious crowd that came to worship God They had some problems. Man, here it is. (laughs) Verse number 10. Actually, let's read the end there. And on the same day was the Sabbath day. And the Jews therefore said unto him that was cured, it is the Sabbath day. It is not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. So, so here, these guys knew the law. That's the reason they were in town, because they were following the law. They were coming to, to sacrifice. They were coming to, uh, to worship. They were coming to, and it's amazing to me how the Jewish people, boy, my brain, 
I just went off on a side note here, but it's amazing to me how the Jewish people are God's chosen people, and yet they're the very ones they practice so much that says, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Man, those Jews, and yet they've missed it. They've missed it. It's sad. But let's get back here. I'm going to bring that squirrel back around. All right, here we go. These people came because they knew the law. These people came because they were, quote, spiritual people. These people were in town because they were doing what they were supposed to be doing. And all of a sudden, they found one that was not doing what they thought he was supposed to be doing. Now, can I ask you something? Was he doing what was right? Absolutely, he was. Why? Because who told him to do it? Jesus did. Jesus is the one that gave him the command. He said, rise and take up thy bed and walk. Now, there's people that have all kinds of opinions of why Jesus told him to take up the bed. There's a bunch of them that are out there. I personally tend to believe in reading this passage of Scripture, the reason that Jesus told him to take up his bed is because he knew the confrontation was going to come. And that's what I believe. But you can believe whatever you want. If you think somebody else is right, that's fine. It seems like I say that a lot around here, but I'm just giving you my opinion. But at least I tell you it's my opinion before I tell you instead of telling you it's just straight Bible, okay? So I'm honest. Jesus says, take up your bed and walk. And he's, he's walking with his bed. He's just doing what the guy told him to do. He knew this much. This man has done more for him in just a moment's time than anybody else could in multiple lifetimes. And so therefore, if the man told him to carry his bed, the man told him to carry his bed, I'm going to carry it. And so he picks up the bed, he throws it over his shoulder, and he's walking around town, and I believe somebody was like, hey, buddy, what's with the bed? Do you not know that it's the Sabbath? Did you know it's not lawful for you to carry that? And did you know that I'm embarrassed of you? And did you know that we're going to have issues and I can't believe you're doing that? And man, I'm going to tell you, you're, you're a mess and you are ashamed of Christianity. You're ashamed of being a good Jew and I can't believe that you would do that. And they're giving this man down the road. That's what's happening here. And my, 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 my. How many times... Does that happen in our churches? Come on. Man, because somebody, you remember whenever the disciples came running to Jesus and they ran to him and they thought they had caught somebody? You know how when children are that way? <laughs> we always ask our kids when they come and tattletale, is somebody going to get hurt? You know? Because if it's a safety issue, I'm glad you're telling me. You know, and... and is this something that, that really matters? You know, we kind of go down through all the questions to make sure. And by the time they get done, usually when they come running to dad and mom, it's not that big of a deal. They're tattletaling. And, and so we're like, get out of here. That's the way Jesus rebuked these people. They, they oh man, they were nailing this guy. But you remember whenever the disciples came running to Jesus, they said, Lord, we found these guys over here. And you're not going to believe this, but they're casting out devils in your name. What do you want us to do about that? You know what Jesus' words were? Leave them alone. Leave them alone. You know, 
A lot of us, listen, I think we ought to stand on the word of God. I believe we ought to preach the truth till the cows come home. And after they get there, just keep on preaching the truth. I'm telling you, I believe that 100,000%. But I'm going to tell you, you'll never be able to fulfill God's purpose in your life if you cannot get your eyes off of what other people are doing and get them on the Lord Jesus Christ and fulfill his will. The devil wants you to get, you know, the disciples, they were the closest ones to Jesus. And they were the ones that were running to him and saying, hey, there's these people over here casting out devils in your name. If they would have just listened to what came out, it's another one of them deals like I was talking about the other night, where it sounded real good in your head, but when it came out of your mouth, if they would have just listened to the words they said, casting out devils in Jesus' name. Sounds pretty good to me. But they thought it was a big problem. And so all of a sudden they got their eyes on somebody else instead of on Jesus, the main thing. And now they're running to Jesus with carnal problems and carnal questions. And I'll just say this. Hey, tonight, if you got your eyes on somebody else because of what they are doing or because of what they are not doing, then I can just tell you right now confidently that you are not right with God. And I know this, that's not popular preaching, but that's true preaching. Amen. Yeah. I get to leave and go, brother, brother Haggett, he'll preach Sunday. I'll leave tomorrow, you know. And so, <laughs> hey, the same preaching my people get in my church, by the way. And don't change just because I'm here anywhere else. Truth is truth is truth, okay? The devil wants to get our eyes on other people and on other people's problems. And sometimes it's stemmed because uh, it makes us look better. Sometimes it's stemmed because uh, we have faults in our life that we're trying to get our eyes off of. And so we're looking at somebody else and in their faults. And listen, I'm going to tell you, I'm a, I'm a phenomenal inspector of other people's faults. Man, I can find them. I don't have to look very long at people's lives. And I'm going to tell you, but I am not very good at finding things in my life. I'm telling you right now, really, when I look at my life, I like to think, boy, that looks pretty good. But I can find them in everybody else's lives and don't you sit there and say how can he be that way because you know you're the same way and so here they, they come to this man and they're like you can't be doing that he said well this man healed me and he told me to do it I want you to see that the Bible says there in verse number 11, he answered them, He that made me whole, the same said unto me, Take up thy bed and walk. And then they asked him, What man is this? That which said unto thee, Take up thy bed and walk. Look at verse number 13. This is amazing. And he that was healed wist not who it was. <laughs> For Jesus had conveyed himself away Boy, that's a beautiful picture, if you ask me. When I got saved, I did not have a clue how good Jesus was or what Christian life. I, I know I was raised in church, but, but still, I never experienced the Lord Jesus for myself until I was 13 years old. And when I got saved, I had no clue how good it was. And you know, there's a lot of people that get saved, and it's amazing. I love that blind faith that comes along with new converts when they get saved 
and they get gloriously saved. And man, they realize they're forgiven of their sins. And man, uh, the Lord Jesus gave them a home in heaven. And now they have the Holy Spirit indwelling inside of them. And man, uh, they, they got that freedom. They got that load that's lifted like they've never had before in their life. And they're like, hey, what do I do next? Well, uh, you know, the next step is, is in believer's baptism. And man, you need to get baptized. And, and that's just kind of the first step in growth. And man, uh, you take it, man, well, hey, sign me up, whatever it is I need to do. Man, I'm the, anybody that do that for me, man, I, I'm going to tell you, it must be good. I just want to do what he does. And, and you know, they get it all fired up, but they really don't know the half of it. Yeah. Of how good the Christian life is. They're just in the beginning. That's where this man is right here. And the spiritual people, they got all their buckets of water out. And they looked at that fire and they said, how dare you come in here with a little bit of fire? How dare you come in here with a little bit of excitement? Hey, how dare you say amen in church? You think you're better than us? No, no. I'm just saved and glad of it. Amen. <laughs> I tell you, we have so many people. I believe the reason we lack excitement and fire in our churches is honestly that right there is that we're so focused on what other people think and on what other people do and how we conduct ourselves and all this kind of stuff. And listen, I, again, I told you I want to live according to the word of God, but we've got to get over that and we've got to get the fire back in our churches. We've got to get the fire back in our hearts. Hey, I'm just as saved as I was when I was 13 years old, but man, I've got manifold blessings that have been piled upon. And man, the Lord has loaded me with benefit after benefit after benefit. And God's been so good. I've got 10 million more reasons to shout today than I had when I was 13 years old. And I've Praise his holy name that that's how good God is. And I need to get over myself and forget what others think and just do God's will. Amen. So they asked the man, they said, well, who is this guy that told you to break the law? You know, I forgot to catch his name. <laughs> Isn't that? I didn't catch that part. And I guarantee you the people had to be sitting there saying, there's no way that somebody could do this for you. And you'd run up out of there and not even know the man's name. And the Bible says that Jesus withdrew himself. He pulled himself away because of the crowd, because of all the people. And Jesus, I believe, knew what was going to happen with the Jewish people. And so there they come, and man, this man, he circles back around, and Jesus finds him. And we're going somewhere. We're going to get there in just a second, and that is this. And he that was healed was not who it was, for Jesus had conveyed himself away, and a multitude began in that place. And afterward, Jesus findeth him in the temple. There's so much I can say right there. But aren't you glad Jesus comes full circle? Amen. Yeah. <laughs> I bet you this man was probably starting to question a few things because of what all the religious crowd did. And Jesus came right back around and said, hey, buddy, let me tell you a few things here. Let me encourage you a little bit. Let me tell you more about who I am and what I can do. And when he had a greater understanding of who Jesus was, boy, it helped him in the long run. That's another sermon in and of itself. But the greater understanding you have of who Jesus is, the more it will help you down the road to continue in the faith. And so here Jesus came to him, and the Bible says, Behold, thou art made whole. He says this, Sin no more, lest a worse thing come unto thee. 
The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus. Man, you talk about a testimony right here, which had made him whole. And therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to slay him because he had done these things on the Sabbath day. The Jews. The Jews were Jesus's, which Jesus didn't have a biggest problem. He's greater than all those problems. But the Jews were the biggest problem-causing group of people. Think about this. Where did Jesus, where did the Jews complain about Jesus eating all the time? With who? Publicans and sinners. They wind around about that all the time. Jesus, he's with the publicans and sinners. You remember when Jesus, he said, I must needs go through Samaria. And even the disciples, Lord, are you sure? Oh, they were dogs. Those people were worthless. They were trash to the Jewish people. And Jesus said, that's the place I need to go. The Bible says that Jesus came into his own and his own received him not. But yet Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. You say, what are you driving at, preacher? I'm driving at this. Jesus came to his own. Jesus descended to heaven and came as a man and he was all God and he was all man at the same time and he came with the purpose to come into his own. But his own would not stand it. They would not take it. They would not receive it. They would not go for it. And so therefore, when Jesus came to his own, he says, I'm coming for somebody and I'm coming for everybody. And if my own won't receive me, then I'll go find somebody that will. And he went over to the publicans and he went over to the sinners and he hung out with them all the time. And those were the people that were saying, oh my goodness, hey, we've been looking for you. We've been looking for the Messiah. We can't believe that you're here. Man, you're finally here. And Jesus was saving people left and right over in the publicans and sinners and the Jews wanted nothing to do with it. Can I say quite frankly, that's how the majority of our churches are in the United States of America. And that's how the majority of our Christians are in the United States of America is that the Lord wants to do a work and he wants to do it right here. But most of our churches won't stand for it. Yeah. Come on. Come on. We won't receive it. We won't take it. And here's a classic example. Classic example of what the Lord was saying to them. And he says this, verse number 21, for as the father raises up the dead and quickeneth them, even so the son quickeneth whom he will. Verse number 24, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my, there it is again, word, and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. He says, uh, man, I've come. And if you just hear my word, 
You can be saved. If you just hear my word, you go from darkness to light. If you can hear my word, you go from death to life. Man, my word is what changes things. And the, and the, the Pharisees and the Jews and, and all these people, they're standing around. Verse number 42, and the Bible says this. Actually, verse number 41. I receive not honor from men. You know what he's saying there? <laughs> Just what I said a moment ago. He came to his own, and his own received him not. But guess what? He wasn't coming to receive honor from the Jews. That triumphant entry that he had, there was a whole bunch of people that were shouting and all that kind of thing. But guess what? The shouting soon came to a stop whenever the soldiers took him away and they crucified him on Calvary. Yeah. He didn't come for an audience of man. Hey, he came to seek and to save that which was lost. And he came for an audience of one. And that was the Lord God who looked down upon him. He says, I know you that ye have not the love of God in you. And I am come in my father's name that ye receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him ye will receive. In other words, this, there's charlatans that are out there that are people that claim to be the Messiah. There's truths that are preached out there. There's other Bibles that are preached out there and different things, uh, religions. And he says, it's amazing how that you'll receive all of what some other words are said by other men and other religions that are taken. It's amazing to me that you'll fall right in step with what a man says. But when the word of life is standing before you right here, you will not listen. That's what he said. And then he throws this in. He says, for had you believed Moses. Now he brought Moses into it. He just went ahead and went dirty right here, man. He said, how do you believe Moses? Why is that significant? Because everything they believed was what Moses wrote. Every single thing that they quoted and believed, it was in the books of law. And he said, if you would have believed Moses, and I guarantee you they were sitting there and they're thinking, how dare he say if we believe Moses, I can quote massive chunks of the books of law that Moses wrote. I can give you all these things. I know what Moses, that's the reason we're in town today is because of what, what was written and, and, and that's, that's what we're doing. How dare you tell us if we believe Moses, we're doing exactly what Moses said. Now they're getting sideways. But he says this, if you would have believed Moses, ye would have believed me. Amen. For he wrote of me. Well, I like that. <laughs> but if ye believe not his word, his writings, how shall ye believe my words? Now we're going to bring this thing in for a landing, okay? He went right there, and boy, he punched him right in the gut and said, if you would have believed Moses... And I believe probably everybody in that crowd could have stood up and started quoting off Scripture just like that. He said, I know you. And that kind of an underlying theme this week. He says, I know your hearts. If you would have believed what Moses wrote, then you would have believed me. You'd believe in me. You see, Jesus came to Fulfill all that law. When that was written, it was a temporary thing. 
Because see, Jesus had a plan. God had a plan. And there was that plan that would come. And man, there was written of a Messiah. Oh, all throughout the Old Testament. And man, all they wanted was to see the Messiah. All they cared about was hearing about the Messiah. And man, they talked about the Messiah and the Deliverer and, and all that stuff. And then when he finally gets there, he says, you never believed it. You never truly cared what God's word said. You never really truly cared about what Moses said. You never truly cared about what you're doing here in town today. You're just doing it because you were told to do it. You never cared about it. You never believed it. You never were, were, were uh, uh, moved by it. You were just doing it because it was something that was handed down for generations. And he says, here I am standing before you, and I am the law. He wrote of me. That's who I am. Man, in Genesis, he was the conquering seed. In, in Exodus, he was the deliverer. In Leviticus, he was the lamb of God. In Numbers, he was the judge. In Deuteronomy, he was the redeemer. And you can go on and on and on about what Jesus was all throughout the Old Testament. And you can find Jesus all over the pages, everywhere, as the Messiah. And yet they knew it so much and they missed it. We've gotten so good at church. that we don't even know who Jesus is anymore. We've gotten so good at, a Christ, at being a Christian. And I say this tongue in cheek, but we're so spiritual. We're too spiritual for Jesus to work in. There's another word for that. Self-righteous. And buddy... Somewhere along the, along the way, we have denied the power of the gospel and we've only taken on the practice of the gospel. God says, that don't work. <clears throat> you see, it's, it's all about him. And he was trying to get them to understand and they were missing it. And when Jesus came into his own, his own received him not. We all look, and I said it even in the beginning of the sermon, and I said it on purpose. We look at the Jews and shake our heads and say, how sad. But I think Jesus looks at our churches and shakes his head and says, how sad. Boy, there's so much that I could be doing there. He looks at my life so many times, I know he does, <clears throat> and just shakes his head and says, Luke, if you just let me, there's so much I can do for you. And I find it amazing. I don't think it's coincidence that all of this lines up in a row because that man that we read about at the pool did exactly what those Jews should have done in verse number 51 is just have a simple answer and say, <laughs> you're right. Lord, if you want to work, go for it. The Bible says we believe that he is. He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. God does not want to withdraw 
from us. God has a desire, and listen, I'm not preaching health and wealth and prosperity gospel, okay? I'm not doing that. But I'm pretty sure there's, there's about these, the Bible does say in the book of Psalms, it says, daily he loadeth us with benefits. He loads our wagon. I love that verse about how they open up the windows of heaven. Man, and poor, I, I like all that, and we all like the sound of that. But we don't want to make the conscious decision to let him have his way like this man did. And we want to be more like the spiritual crowd. And we get so hung up in our traditions and the way things go and the way things we, ought to, we think that ought, things ought to go. And we got so worried about what other people's spirituality is all about. If we just get our eyes off of everybody else and start worrying about what God's doing. You know, revival, I tell our people, revival is a selfish thing. And it is. That's the one time you're allowed to be selfish is when you're wanting revival. You can say, Lord, I need it right here. Amen. But sometimes we got to kick down the door of opinions and we got to kick down the door of attitudes and we've got to kick down the door of the way we've always done it and we got to kick down the doors of how things used to be and we got to let the Holy Spirit have his free will and reign. Amen. That's why people get disgruntled in churches. That's why people get sideways. I have never, well, I say that. Very rarely do I ever, ever hear of church splits because they can't come together on the death, burial, and resurrection. That doesn't happen. You know, I mean, if it does, those people obviously got major problems. They might go elsewhere. It's funny to me how the church splits and problems and, and attitudes and issues, they're never over biblical problems. They're always over tradition, attitude, the way we've always done it. Now, some people like to pull those Bible verses out of context and use them as a weapon. But I'm going to tell you, when it comes down to it, it's because they got a carnal heart and they don't believe what the Word of God says. They trust in what they've always done. I'm going to tell you, I don't think you ought to throw everything out, but I think we ought to be willing to do things differently in order to give her a different result. One man said one time, if you always do what you always did, you'll always get what you always got. Isn't that wisdom from an old redneck? Uh, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, except expecting a different result. I'm just saying tonight, some of us have got to set ourselves aside and do like this man did and say, Lord, if you'll just work, I don't know what you're going to do. I don't know how you're going to do it. I don't know what, in what manner, but I just need you to work. It is time for thee, O Lord, to work, the Bible says. He's ready, willing, and able. But he needs you and I to get on our knees before him and say, Lord, I give you free rule and reign. You're not making me do anything I don't want to do. I just want you to have your way. That's revival. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd help us now tonight. Bless this invitation. I know a different type message. 
Well, Lord, I, I pray that there be some people this evening that just come down here to an old-fashioned altar and kneel on their knees and just say, Lord, you got it. You got it. You have your way with me. Maybe there's some people tonight just need to get some things right. Maybe there's some people tonight just need to get some things squared away between them and the Lord, maybe them and others. Lord, that they would do that. Father, I, bless, I pray you bless this invitation. In your name I pray. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. There's somebody says, Preacher, I'm not sure that I'm saved. If I died right now, I don't know where I'd spend eternity, whether it be heaven or hell. Can I say to you, I'll not embarrass you, point you out, but I want to pray for you tonight. So somebody says, Preacher, I'm not sure that I'm saved. Would you pray for me? Anyone like that? Anyone like that? Preacher, I'm not sure that I'm saved. Here's the invitation. I, I know this was heavy. And I know there'll probably be some thinking going on, and I hope there's some thinking going on. But tonight, why, why don't we do? Why don't we do what that impotent man did when Jesus spoke to him? That next word, immediately. He didn't have to mull it over and go home and think about it. He did God's will. Right then. And tonight, I would just plead with you, if God has spoken to your heart this evening, don't go home and mull it over, but immediately rise, take up that bed and walk. Immediately do the will of God. Honestly, I don't know. I, I don't know what's going to happen this evening. I, I just know this. I know this is where the Lord wants me to preach tonight. And so if it wasn't for anybody else, it might have been just for me. But I just plead with you, if God spoke to you tonight, immediately do His will. Heavenly Father, bless this invitation. I love you, Jesus. Thank you for loving us. Lord, I pray that we would just obey you right away. In your name I pray.